0: So mi gente, I'm very, very excited about today's guest. And I feel like when you hear her story, you're gonna be just as excited. So I have Michelle Barrio Nuevo Mazzini. Is that the Mazzini? Name? Yes. Mazzini. <laughs> uh, you know, if for any other person that might be like struggle with the first part, I struggle with the second part that's supposed <laughs> to be like the easiest one. <laughs> she is a creative hefa, candle maker, event planner. Hefa extraordinaire. Am I leaving anything out? <laughs> no, girl. I got my Hefa earrings on today.
1: You you nailed it. We good. All
0: right. <laughs> I am so excited because you are doing things, and we were just talking about it before I hit record, in regards to putting yourself in spaces that you probably never thought you would be in, spaces that I think culturally so many of us want to see representation in. We will get into all of that. I'm going to read your bio. And I don't know if you are drinking wine or not, but I really need it. It has been a week.
1: It's Friday, girl. It's, it's Friday. Friday. You, you
0: so. Yeah. I actually had market.
1: some wine yesterday from somebody you've already had on the podcast who's a friend of
0: oh, a mutual friend of ours. Oh, we've talked about it. Actually, I'm drinking his wine. So oh, because so of I that.
1: Was like Chris was pouring yeah. out one of my vans last night. So he already knows I can just go up to the table. I'm like, can I have a glass? And he knows which one is my favorite of his, his wines. So which one is your I love favorite? It. I just, I don't even need to say nothing, but like, can I have a glass? And he looks at me and he's like the rosé. Oh. I was like, yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is so. Okay. If you guys, I'm sure you heard me talk about say wines wine several times on the podcast. Chris is a friend of mine, a friend of the podcast. You know, people are probably like, why do you drink say soles so much? Well, one,
1: it's really good wine. But two, like he really always good. is giving me wine. I always have it in stock. <laughs> and, you know, he's a smart businessman. He knows that we will be like on this podcast. And so yesterday he comes to my events and I have him now pour. And because I really do, I believe in Chris and I love his wine, period. Yeah. You know, you're
0: out of low, Dye, So how wonderful is that? You Boom. get that representation. Boom. Did you tell him you were coming on the
1: podcast? I know, I was going to surprise
0: him after, so I'll be... <laughs> yeah, yeah, afterwards, that's so funny. Well, Michelle is a first-gen Latina, multi-passionate creative entrepreneur and jefa at Casita Michi and MB Creative Co. She's passionate about social good, BIPOC representation and elevating Latina voices. She is no longer okay with just getting a seat at the table. She wants to create one. Last fall, she became the first Latina-owned candle brand to debut at Macy's and at a large retailer for that matter. I mean, like, that's huge. Her hope is that through her brand story, she can empower our community to be seen and feel seen. So, girl, like, this is just a match made in heaven. Like, this is so much of what we do, right, is wanting to feel seen, wanting to help others be seen. That's the whole point of why I started this podcast, because... You know, look, I could try and look for like super high profile voices. I could look for all of these things, but I always tell somebody, I always tell people just because you're not a quote unquote influencer, just because you're not a quote unquote this or quote unquote that, first of all, it doesn't mean that you won't be, but that doesn't mean that your story, it has any less importance. It means it's even that much more important to share your story. So
1: I'm so excited. And thank, you, and thank you for understanding that. And for the past few years doing that, like shining light on just the creative talent that's out there. Like the people that are really showing up and showing out every day. I even still get amazed when I meet other heifas like, oh, I think I'm doing something. And then I meet somebody that inspires me. Girl, when I, I'm not even going to lie. When I hear
0: people tell me, because I feel like this is just a little, Little podcast. I feel like this is just eh, whatever you know, like. But, but you when haven't I, had little
1: people on your podcast, so stop.
0: Yes, stop. I've had, I have everybody. Nobody's little. Nobody's little.
1: No, <laughs> but
0: when people have recognized my voice or me or whatever, and they've said something, and it's always so beautiful what they share with me, and it's always so kind. And Chris has done this for me because I remember. The fur one of the first times I actually got to meet Chris in person, he was in San Diego, and I went to this event he was at. And then somebody's like, "Oh my gosh, are you the wine and cheese man?" And I get so as outgoing as I am, right? I just don't like the attention on me, which sounds very weird. But that's why I hate doing solo episodes. Like anybody that hears this, there I was like, I'm always like, ah, oh, it's another solo episode. You guys know I hate this, but. <laughs> And then Chris was like, yes, yes, she is the wine and cheese man. Jessica, come on. Da, da, da. Like, I'm trying to work on that.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so funny you say that because last night that happened. Somebody comes up to Chris and was like, are you the bartender? Because he's on a table. why? I'm like, oh, he's not the bartender. He's the winemaker. And the whole situation just turned. And the guy was like. You made this wine. This is your wine. <laughs> like it just changed. Cause at first he just thought Chris was important. And I was like, if you're not gonna hype yourself up, I'm gonna hype you up. <laughs> like, and that's the whole point of all, like, right? Like, that's what we should be
0: doing is hyping yeah. each other up. Chris, and so my favorite wine of Say Solis is the soltiera.
1: Oh. And I did it, have yeah. a glass last night of that. Not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, so that's what I'm having right now. So salud.
1: He's having the good stuff, you guys. Well, so I'm not drinking water today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you had enough, uh, if you had enough wine last night, yeah, water's good today. But yeah. girl, yes, I yeah. mean, I was like, you know what? I'm so stingy with this. I'm not even going to lie. I did actually take a bottle for the We All Grow Latina Summit. I took a bottle of Sotiera and it was gone like that. But well, even you know, my boyfriend hardly ever tasted it. I'm so stingy with this. Like I am so stingy with it. And I have And for those that wines. don't
1: know, that's one of his reserve. That's one of his creme de la creme wines. Yeah, those it's his most
0: expensive is, wine. It's really good. This is it's the really 2019 good. and it's 70% Cabernet Sauvignon, 20% Petit Syrah, 3% Merlot and three, or is it 5% Merlot, 5% Petit Bordeaux, And it is so good. Oh my gosh. It's just so good. And Let me tell you, and I've taken, or I've drank his wines on other podcasts that I've been guests on and people are shocked. And I've had other people try his other wines. People are shocked when they know the price point because it's very affordable. The most expensive thing is shipping, but if you, you know, I know how you guys are. Yeah. It's a quality wine. And I know that you want to support, you know, our community. I'm actually really excited because I'm going to, I'm Pretty soon, I think I have to reach out just to confirm I'm going to have a black winemaker on, black owned wine on. And I haven't had somebody on here. So it's very important that across the board we support. There's enough room for all of us. Enough. Yes. So, well, let's get into it, girl, because look, we could just sit here just. Be like, oh, well, we can talk about, That's like about a whole everything by itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell me, you are you we were talking you're from Lodi. You actually say you're South American.
1: Um so Yeah, I'm actually born and raised in San Francisco, California. I just moved to Lodi last year. So I'm a new I found out that the people from Lodi call themselves Lodians. Lodians. Oh, <laughs> um, and a Lodian. lot of people. That kind I of sounds like Lodi, they're high
0: all the time. They're Lodians. <laughs>
1: Every time I tell somebody I live in Lodi and I think they're not going to know what it is, even though it's like, I call it the wine country of the Central Valley. Apparently, if you've seen Sons of Anarchy, you know where Lodi is. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, which I never watched the show. So I didn't know people would be like, like Sons of Anarchy. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) But yeah, so we, I became a first time home buyer last year and we moved to Lodi, but I'm originally, um, born and raised in San Francisco, California, to South American parents. My mother immigrated from Peru and my father immigrated from Argentina. Nice, a little mix there. Yeah, so wine, girl, wine has been, you know, Argentinians and they swear they got the best Malbec and they probably do. Having been there, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know what? I they do. Malbecs are okay. Maybe I just haven't. I think... I, Go to I Argentina can't. and you'll have a whole nother, you'll <laughs> a whole you'll other have a whole enlightening moment. But yeah, so I come from South American parents and born and raised in San Francisco. So I identify, you know, my whole life because I always make this joke about all of us. Just let each other call us whatever we want to identify as. Just let us. Yeah,
0: you know, I don't speak for like when people say, oh, it's," I, they're like, what do you call them? I'm like I identify as Latina or Chicana, but... Yeah. Yeah. And Mexican-American, but like whatever you want to be called, I'll call you. If you want to be Latinx, that's fine. I, yeah. I, I personally spec- term I Latine expect- is what I actually prefer if I'm doing the greater, because it's better, like more inclusive of the length. Like it's easier to say to me, I think, without losing the sazon, you know, the pronunciation. But just, whatever you I want, that's
1: fine. I'm like, me. if we can't agree as a community, so I'm like, whatever you want to be called, I will respect right? it, I will I will call you. But I identify as Latina, but I feel like growing up in San Francisco in such a melting pot, I always was very proud of being South American. It wasn't very common, but that's how I was being raised in my home. My mom was very Peruvian. Um, and, and Peruanos de por si, they're aguyoso. like, they're just like, we're Peruvian. <laughs> like, so yeah. I think a lot of that rubbed off on me that like growing up, I'm like, hey, I would always make it be known. So people be like, are you Mexican? I'm like, no, and not, I love Mexicans, but I was like, I'd always go out there and be like, no, I'm South American. <laughs> like,
0: And I think, you know, we can't take that as an insult because I think it's just people want to lump us into something. And obviously with Mexico being right there, they just assume, but yeah, it's so, the culture is very similar, but was there any clash in regards to the Argentinian side versus the Peruvian side growing oh. up?
1: Oh yeah. it They're actually very different, even though they're South American. Um, it was very different. Like, um, Argentinian people just have this way about themselves, you know, and I love that side of my family, but I predominantly grew up, um, just more resonating with my mom and her side of family. My mom took me as a young kid to Peru almost every year. So I grew up just, you know, very much immersed with my cousins and that culture from the food to even the language, because even though it's castellano, it's even very different from how Argentinians speak to like how Peruvians speak and the food and just even some of the slang. So it was always this little thing that when I tell people what I am, they'd be like, oh, you know, and it was like. <laughs> It's like even you're as a kid, you're like figuring out like, man, should I drop one and just say I'm only Peruvian? Because the minute I was tell people I'm half Argentinian, they'd be like, oh, esta se crea. And I'm like, no, but that's what I am. Like, That's I mean, you know, but it was very interesting. And growing up, I, I am very fortunate growing up in San Francisco. It's a huge melting pot. I didn't see enough of me, which is very interesting. I didn't when I say that I didn't see enough. South Americans growing up. I don't think I had like proven friends till I was like in high school or older. Actually, most of my friends I grew up with were Salvadoran and Mexican. So I always say I have this joke. I married a Salvi. My best friend's a Salvi. Like everybody in my life, I feel is like a Salvi. Salvies just don't leave me. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, so I grew up, but, you know, that ties into even my candle line. It's just a lot of times when people find out what I am and they're like, you're not Mexican, but a lot of the words on my candle, I always say I grew up with so many different terms and words used mm-hmm. because we are all Latinos, but there's terms and words sometimes that even from Mexico to Central America, from Central America to South America, it doesn't always translate the same. And oh, so yeah. for me, a lot of my candles and the words used, are just what I grew up listening to what I heard my friends saying or how they called their parents. So it is part of my community, like the community I was raised in, the people I was raised around.
0: No, I mean, but that's so true. And what we're raised around, like it just has such a profound effect on who we are and how we see the world and how we see ourselves and how we grow up and how we relate to people. And I don't think we ever talk about that enough. We're just like, oh yeah, whatever. But when you actually think about it, right? Like all of these influences, cause that's what they are. All of these outside yeah. things become influences on the people that we become. So I think that's really rad that you do that. So tell me about what kind of kid were you? Were you like, I feel like you're a really precocious kid. I feel like you're laughing, so I feel it. And what were the things that interested you most when you were, like, what were the things that attracted you that,
1: where you would expel your energy? My parents separated when I was two. So I was raised by a single mom. You know, looking back now, I can have these fun conversations of thinking back. So uh, my inspiration as a kid was a mixture of like, I made a joke to somebody saying, I was in my senora era before I was a señora cuz my first concert when i was 7 was Rocío Durcal. Okay? Like, <laughs> and i was 7 years old and my mom took me to Rocío Durcal concert and i freaking love that woman, you know? And i but then i loved her as much as i love Punky Brewster. So oh, i love I punky was Brewster. Yeah, like i'm in my 40s, i'm aging myself, so i'm telling you, i was this kid that thought i had Punky power. And punky for me, if you grow up with certain people, she made me feel like I can do anything. Like I broke my ankle twice in the backyard trying to build a treehouse because I thought I had punky power. And this is like true story. Like my neighbors in the neighborhood that I grew up in will still tell that story. Like, yeah, she they've told it to my husband. They're like, yeah. She was literally legit trying to like get wood from places and like build a tree <laughs> house because I thought I had, and I broke my ankle twice, you know, and I'm like yelling in the backyard, mom, because it was an open communal backyard. It wasn't like everybody was like, you had an open backyard. Yeah, I was that kid that like loved Rocio Durcal, spoke Spanish, but very much was still like, I loved American things too, just as much. Loved Luis Miguel, loved new kids on the block. That was my first American concert. Uh, when I had I was posters of like New nine. Kids on the Block
0: all over my room.
1: Yeah, so that was me. Like at nine, my mom took me to see. She, I remember she had headsets, but bless her heart, she didn't know what the heck was going on. She agreed to this and took me to the Oakland Coliseum. My first concert was in 1989, New Kids on the Block and the Cover Girls. And oh, um, girl, that's a good one. It was like the best thing. So I'm so fortunate that like you know, for our parents to just assimilate to this culture, but also still make sure that we understood where we came from was like really hard and challenging. But that's one thing I'm so grateful that even though we maybe lived in a neighborhood, which wasn't predominantly Latinos in San Francisco, like she wanted me to have all these things like good education, learn English, assimilate to the culture, but also know where I came from. So I really had that balance. And I was that kid that loved both. And I just was like, I went with it, you know? And my mom always said, you know, I lost her at a very young age, but she said that she knew I was going to be a hefa, like my own, like my own owner already from a young age, because she's like, you weren't trying to like have lemonade stands. She's like at eight or nine, apparently she said I would make little menus and I was really good at making sandwiches. And I would go to the neighbors and ask if they wanted me to make them sandwiches for their lunch and that, that I could roll it up in foil and like make them a really gourmet sandwich. And that I even wrote like a menu and my name and I had named the business. Oh, my God. And she says, you were like, you're like, screw the lemonade stand. I'm trying to make more than just like a dollar on a cup of lemonade. But I was like already that kid. I was already like, what can I do for money? <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. So I, you know, it's so funny is like, I was in cheerleading and softball and stuff. And we always had to raise money because my parents couldn't always afford all of the things, right? And we had to sell decals. Like I remember selling decals. They were $5 for a freaking sticker, right? And especially in being a kid, that's a lot of money. That's a lot for of a money. sticker. And I would knock on the doors and my mom never understood until she like, and I would go by myself. So this is when you could do that stuff by yourself. Yeah. Because there's absolutely no way, no way. <laughs> that that would happen now, right? You're not gonna let your like eight-year-old, 10-year-old mm-hmm. kid just walk well, around the neighborhood collecting money, basically, right? Having an envelope that has stickers and money in it. I would always end up selling. Not all if of you my expect stickers. the money
1: to come back. Right, show. right.
0: <laughs> and I should have known then that. It was always my charming personality. No, but it was always like, I would always talk my way into people. Like, no, and I'm like, are you sure you're supporting Pop Warner Cheerleader? You make, you did it, and I just.
1: It was just always talked my it was way just into in you. Yeah, yeah, it was just
0: in me. And surprise, surprise. I talk for a living. I do <laughs> communications for a living, right? <laughs>
1: that whole, that whole gift for Gab, you don't realize when you're older I think that when you're younger, when people say, oh, you have the gift for gab, it sometimes can come off in a very condescending tone. And then when you're older, you're like, no, you want to have the gift for gab because it'll help you in so many facets of your life from business to personal relationships. Like it will.
0: So when were you involved in any things at school that were like
1: I was very, no, so I wasn't, um, it's crazy. Cause now as an adult, I love watching sports. I didn't play sports till high school. I was raised very religious. I was raised to was witness. I share that. Cause I think, you know, when people understand that it's not a bad thing. I love, you know, it. when you, kid, know, it's all I knew. It's all yeah, I knew. when
0: you know that, you know, like, oh, okay, they were limited in the there things was, that they I was did. limited.
1: Yeah. I was limited to things that I could participate in, but it doesn't mean, I I just want to say this. I had a very positive childhood and it's crazy when you become older and my older, I was the baby when my brother shares like, did you know we were on this, this, and this? I was like, no, mom made it seem your parents, our parents immigrate here Mm -hmm. and they do so much that sometimes there's blinders on and you don't realize like you were poor because you didn't feel poor. And I didn't know those things, you know, until I became an adult because my mom made sure that she just gave me so much love and even being raised in a strict religion, I don't feel like I was jipped from stuff. Yes, I didn't celebrate holidays you know, so growing up and learning how to celebrate holidays has been very interesting. Like I didn't celebrate holidays as a kid. I didn't participate in a lot of external stuff for school, you know, because I went to school and came home. So a lot of the external things I did was either with church friends or once I got home, it really was until high school that, you know, I got to play volleyball and you, you start having a self-discovery of kind of like who you are and like drawing and being creative, I did really love to draw, you know, and things like that. You start really like, oh, like, this is what I like to do, you know, because I think that before high school, I was just kind of like going at a pace that I was told, this is what you do. This is what you do next. This is what you go to next, you know, but my mom still, I think my mom still, I want to say different than, than, you know, maybe other people that were raised in the truth as we call it My mom still fostered a lot of what I enjoyed and I appreciate that. I always had a love of music. I love music till this day. And my mom, that was one thing. There was always music playing in our home that I think brought a lot of like joy and happiness. I remember, you know, Sunday cleaning with my mom, there was always cumbias and salsa and something playing that I grew up with. Like knowing all these artists is already like at 14, you know, I could name like so many Latino artists because I grew up listening to their music. Yeah. I love when I hear
0: that, because I've heard that a lot where I didn't know I was poor when we were younger, right? My family were very middle class. There's definitely times of hardship, but I recognize that. Like as I didn't know as a kid what we were, right? You know, so there's been so many times where I've heard, like, I didn't know we were poor because we had everything we needed and we, I was very loved. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of parents, not all parents, but there's a lot of families. I don't want to just say parents because it can include grandparents and tías and tíos and all of these other, you know, alternative ways that become creative in regards to the things that you do. And I think that that's amazing. Even, you know, our family, like I said, we, I think we were just very middle-class, but we, that, which means there was still a lot of things we couldn't do. Oh but yeah. My mom would be like, okay, let's make food and we'll go to the, like we would go to Balboa Park and here in San Diego and go walk around and go yeah. like on the little things that we could afford to do. And my mom would make lunch. when you think about it,
1: middle-class back then was still like, you still had to cut corners to make mm-hmm. sure that the money would stretch, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm it's orders. crazy that you say that. Because again, I always thought I was middle class. I, I think we got there eventually, but I didn't know again that, like, I think my mom, I would say, but keeping up apariencias, like raised me thinking I was yeah. middle class. But then it was the stuff behind the scenes that she was doing all these things, working all these jobs, you know. Well, especially so. if you're
0: the youngest, you're the least yeah. likely to see all of yeah. that. yeah. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more Wine and Cheese
1: made. Chances are you aren't sharing an epic dinner with your friends right now, but you could be. Just book a seat at a private dining event with your Chase Sapphire Reserve card. Then get to it. A multi-course menu. Insane flavors. A wine pairing. Ooh, is that crispy duck? Experience more unforgettable dinners with private dining events from Sapphire Reserve. Chase, make more of what's yours. Learn more at Chase.com slash Sapphire Reserve. Cards issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
0: You said you lost your mom at a very young age. How old were you when you lost your mom and what was that impact?
1: Yeah, so I just turned 23. It was very sudden. My mom was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer in 2003. My mom was honestly my best friend. Like, it's crazy you look back and it's like, I fought and bickered with my mom. I put her through a lot in my teenage years when I rebelled. As As we um, all do. (laughs) We did. I really did, you know? And I remember apologizing one time when I was 19, my mom, and she just knew what I was apologizing for. Like, she didn't even ask what the... It's like she almost knew, like, the way I apologized and how. And so I had put her through so much and all she wanted was just... You know, she loved us unconditionally. She loved me and my brothers unconditionally, you know, and so um it was very hard on me. Um, I have a 24 five-year-old daughter, right? So like I think about that now a lot. I think about if my daughter at my age, who we still help and support, she's trying to adult, she lives on her own, were to lose me. I know what that would feel like because at that age, I still had a lot of questions. I was already a mom. I was about to get married. My mom, unfortunately, didn't even make it to our wedding. You know, she had passed away. All these things were happening in my life that I still feel like I needed answers to. I had a really good job at the time. I was working for a pharmaceutical company as a meeting planner. So I had some stability in my life, you know, and then this happens. And um, it really put me in a really dark place. I remember, actually, no, I wasn't even at the pharmaceutical. I was at a company um, a very, I will not say their name, but I was at a very big corporate company. I had asked for leave of absence. I was denied the leave of absence. So I quit, I quit to care for my mother. It was the best decision I ever made, but it was, it was really at that time. I didn't know how to even advocate for myself that I could have got a leave of absence, but I had asked for a leave of absence. Um, because I knew at this point, the doctors had told us when they found it, it was unfortunately too late, it was inoperable. And she was given, um, three to six months to live. I remember sitting there when you're sitting there with two grown men, which are my brothers. And I realized that at that point, I'd never seen one of my brothers cry until that day. And, um, I'd never seen my middle brother cry until that day, you know? And so, um, it's really hard. I think as women, you know, we are okay being emotional. We are okay sharing emotions, but for men, it's a bit different. And so it did start a really kind of, I thank my mother a lot. I, I'm so grateful. A lot of people don't ask this. I would not be where I'm at today. I would actually have not have these two businesses. My mother's death was the reason that I started my first business. So I had quit my corporate job, and I had found another job in their interim that was willing to work for me at this pharmaceutical company, and they understood, and they're like, "We'll take you on as a contractor, contract temp. And you take the time that you need. And then when you're ready to come on full board. So I was so grateful because I needed the income. But I literally cared for my mother every day for three months, 24 hours. I had no life. And I don't regret that. You know, as Latinos, we don't um, we don't put our parents in homes. <laughs> it's not what we do. No, <laughs> you no. Know? And we don't even put our parents in hospice. That's not what we do.
0: So I cared for my mother till the very end. Or even our brothers or our sisters or, you
1: know. Just not, you know, and and to each their own, but it's just not what we do. And I I don't regret it, you know. I had that time, I had that moment, I was at peace with myself. And after that, um, picking up those pieces of my life, figuring out who Michelle wanted to be, what was my next move that was gonna make her proud. I was at this pharmaceutical company, you know, for three years, but during that time, I started my own business, planning events, and that came about from my sadness. I was really in a dark place, and um, a friend of mine who loved my mother asked me if I would help her plan her wedding. I would always make a joke that, God, girl, my mom helped you pick your wedding dress. She didn't even stay around for my wedding, because my mom actually went to her wedding dress appointment and picked a friend of mine that I grew up <laughs> with her wedding dress. And I was like, I'm glad you got to experience that. But it was always in good fun. So through through sadness, I needed happiness. And I started planning events outside of my corporate day job. So I was a meeting planner/slash senior admin for a big pharmaceutical company. I worked in the pricing department for three years. I worked my full-time job. And then outside of that, on my free time and my weekends, I was planning events. Like my first job, I booked off Craigslist. Like I remember back then, I was like, that's where you went and posted about yourself. And I went to like Kinkos and made myself business cards, and this was 2003, y'all. You know, so yeah.
0: So I no, but of- you did the things that you needed to do yeah. to do something else. That you know, like you said, it was out of grief. You needed some joy, and you know, I think that sometimes. Tell me what you think. I mean, I think a lot of times people think like, "Oh, event planning or party planning. Oh, it's whatever," but it's. It means so much to the clients that you're working with because you're taking so much stress off of them. They become really, they are hopefully happy, happy people. Right. But it, I think that we forget that it's providing a service that's truly helping other people enjoy moments that they want to remember and
1: celebrate. Like lifetime moments. Like here I am 17 years later, I've produced over 600 events not just in California. Damn, but girl. In, yeah. In Europe, I've been so fortunate that my clients have taken me to Greece, to London, to Hawaii. I have planned multicultural celebrations. I've done some amazing things, you know, and it all started from kind of, it all started from my mom. She always believed in me. She always fostered that I could do and be whatever I wanted to be And in 2004, when I said, I'm going to go start my business, you know, it took me three years before I quit my corporate job. But I remember in 2007, when I went in to quit, my boss didn't know I had another job. And I think he didn't realize, like, I had a a full-time business at that point. So three years into it, I even had signed a lease in downtown San Francisco for a creative space. I'd been featured already in my first magazine. And that's when I knew, oh, I can do this full-time like i can quit my corporate day job now and i can do this and i never look back and um yeah in 2007 was the first year that i became full-time entrepreneur
0: was that a scary prospect of quitting your oh. job
1: oh i took 3 months to quit every thursday i remember it was a thursday that i kept saying because i wanted to do it before like the weekend so we had a day to process it. I always kept saying every Thursday was gonna be the day I put in my two weeks notice every Thursday. And I remember that every Thursday I'd get sick in my stomach. I, I maybe threw up a few times because I couldn't do it because I did have a really good job that even my brother and a few people were like, you can't leave, you're gonna leave stocks and benefits. What are you doing? Oh, because you think you wanna be a wedding and event planner. Like So there was some people for it and there was some people like, don't do that, Michelle. Like you have at your age, you have a pretty cushy salary, you know, and I just really believed in myself, but I believed in myself because my mom believed in me. I had that confidence at that age, at, you know, 23, 24 now, you know, to do that. Cause she had believed in me, you know? Yeah. And so I went and I quit and my boss was looking at me like, what do you mean you have another business? Cause he thought I was going to work for like a competitor or something. And I was like, yeah, so I have a business and it's doing really well. And I've been doing it for three years. And he goes like, when have you been doing it? Cause you show up to work every day <laughs> and his face, you know, this is a corporate, this is a senior director at this pharmaceutical. He was really shocked, you know, but he said, "I like, give you my blessings. Okay. Wasn't the best news he wanted to receive. And then, yeah, I um, I had signed a lease for several years in downtown San Francisco for a creative studio. And in 2007, I left. And from 2007 to when COVID happened, I had an amazing career. I'm not not going to say I've been so blessed to be able to travel and see places that I probably wouldn't have been able to afford on my own dime. And just do celebrations like you were saying. I don't think people realize the role of an event planner. You sit there sometimes and you look at people's face and their happiness and the connections that you're making, whether it's a corporate event, a nonprofit event, a wedding, an anniversary, and you are connecting people and people connect through food, through wine, through laughter, through love. And you helped make this happen. So I'm really good at my job because I'm not going to say I was really because I still do that. I'm really good at that and I love it. And it's a passion. I did get burnout a few times. You know, I like sharing that for entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, I I was about to ask, like were there times of burnout or failure even? Yeah, from 2015 to
1: 2018, I call it my burnout years where I walked away from my business and I went to work for Disney and Great Wolf Lodge doing the same thing, but you know, for somebody else. So I worked for Disney for a few years and then I got poached by Great Wolf Lodge and offered more money. And I went to go work for Great Wolf Lodge in Southern California, building their events team. And then in 2019, I was just really like, hotel life is very like, you live at the hotel. And I felt like I was living at this hotel. And like, I'm like, why did I abandon like what I was doing? And like, I realized like I was not, which we all grow focused on this. I was not saying no to say yes to me. I was not doing that anymore. And I needed to start doing that. I needed to start saying no to things to say more yes to me. And that was the moment that I said, no, I remember I walked in and they didn't, they didn't want me to quit either. So the first time I tried to get, quit. Well, girl, like your shirt says, stay.
0: always chingona, sometimes <laughs>
1: cabrona, <laughs> never, but pendeja. never your pendeja. <laughs> um so I did stay the first time. I, my boss, she was good. She's good. I'll tell you that. But like, I think the first time I tried to quit, she's like, no, what can we do? But then the second time when I realized, you know, I'm living here and I could be doing this for myself. I could be working for myself. If I'm going to spend this much, out, this many hours working for the man, I might as well be doing that. I need to get back to my true passion, which is mm-hmm. planning events for myself. So I quit in June of 2019. And then I was like, I don't know what it was, but within a month, I was booked again, just under my own, because I always kept my business. I always renewed my license, paid for my insurance. Like I never closed doors. I just had kind of like put stuff on the back burner and was saying no to like doing events for other people. And from June to December, I had the bounce back was like, it was like, I never left. It was like, I had never missed a step. And people are like, yeah, yeah, because it's all at this point, word of mouth, and people know who I am. And so going into 2020, I was like, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to have the best year ever. <laughs> Everybody Boom. said that. I was like, yes, I'm like, I'm coming off of 2019, like, nobody can stop me. I'm just like thinking it's going to be amazing. I nobody could had- stop you. Only one thing could stop you. <laughs> <laughs> we learned. January 2020, I even interviewed for a position to go on tour as a tour coordinator for Ricardo Arjona. And the way I got that job offer was the person that was going to take Ricardo on tour. I can say all this now. He had hired me to plan his son's wedding, and he used to be Marco Antonio Salinas' manager from Los Bukis. So oh, this, wow, because. I wasn't planning baby events anymore. My events have also been featured in Ola magazine. And like, I was planning events for, you know, good. Ladies things
0: and gentlemen, me. we have big time on the podcast today. I <laughs>
1: didn't realize how
0: big time. You
1: know, I'm just me, girl. But you know, I but like, I love I'm it. not humble. No, here's the thing. I'm not humble anymore because I used to, I used to gatekeep all this stuff and people didn't know this about me. And then my friends would always be like, you, you teach be me how to be like that. <laughs> You'd be downplaying stuff. And I was like, I'm not, no more downplaying no more. So I was featured in Ola Magazine in 2019, you know. And so Marco Antonio Celis, former manager, great guy. I did his son's wedding and he married another Latina celebrity that comes from a very, Diego Verdaguer's daughter and Amanda Miguel's daughter married this gentleman. So I did their wedding. And so he saw me running this whole show and he pulled me aside, he goes, you know, after, I want to talk to you. And people always say that, but he followed through. And he invited me to Pasadena in January to meet with him. And I didn't know what it was about. And that's what he does. You know, he takes big artists to tours, you know, Daddy Yankee, Ricardo, all that. And he said, you ever considered being a tour coordinator? I'm like, no, but it has the word coordinator. And I know how to do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, you do. You know, and so it was a very casual kind of interview. It's almost like I knew I had the job. He was like, you know, you come up with a salary of what you think you're worth. I think you'd be really good at it. This is what I need it. And he was even gracious. He's like, you don't even need to give up your business. Like you can be my employee. You can do this and you can still take on a limited amount of events under your your brand, you know, because once the tour ends, you know, I don't know when the next gig is. So he's yeah. like, I don't want you to give up your business. So and so and so, I was all stoked. January 2020. I'm like, I literally, I was like figuring out, like, okay, this is an 18 month tour. I have a son. I'm gonna figure this out. You know, I was telling my husband, we're gonna figure this out, and he's like, I'll support you. Just go, do whatever you need to do. If you're gone for four to six weeks at a time, we'll do which, like, this opportunity, we don't know when it's gonna happen again. And freaking COVID happens. And if I thought I was in a dark place before. That was a dark place. I'm a creative. This is all I've known how to do. And for the everything last-
0: that you do involves people getting together, people gathering. I mean, like literally there would you can't do this via Zoom, what you were doing. No.
1: You know how other people could like work from home?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what am I, I going to be doing from home? You know, like I was in a very dark place and I hadn't how been in.
0: You- turn that darkness into casita michi like that is girl the fact that in 2020 you've completely lost your livelihood i mean that's truly what happened you've lost your livelihood you're in this really dark place probably trying to figure out what am i gonna do i had this the conversation of who am i because i'm always around people right
1: oh my god that was me who am i (laughs) like yeah the who am I because I'm like this is all I know how to do even when I do it as a freelancer for other big companies this is like and it's crazy that's when you realize your friends start really hyping you up like that's not all you know how to do Michelle mm-hmm. like this is let's like no let's figure this out and so um it was Mother's Day oh maybe a few weeks before Mother's Day 2020 and I'm sitting at a table with my husband's cousin and she's like you're very crafty and she could tell my creative energy was at a very low. You know, I didn't have anything to pour myself into. Um I should I should probably share that at the time I was actually separated from my husband who I've been with for 18 years, so we were actually not even living together. Um we were co-parenting. Asked, does that was that prior to prior to, prior to okay. covid. Yeah, prior to covid and and I should share that because I even started this journey of casita michi a lot of people see my husband now. Which we'll get to in the scenes, but they don't realize that when I started Tamichi, I was alone, y'all. Like I was, I was a single mom. I was co-parenting with an amazing person. Okay, we were, we had figured that out, but we had already decided to call it after. You know, we have gone through so much. I, I didn't even tell you that somewhere long after losing my mom, my brother was killed. You know, and so, oh my, you gosh. know there was we we gone through a lot, so much, and we had gotten married young. We had gone through so much in life. And in 2017, we had also just gone through some other traumatic stuff that it was done. We had walked away and, and decided we were gonna just we can't do this anymore. And so um we separated. And so that was before COVID. And um, but we had a good relationship, you know, we were co-parenting, we had put whatever it is we were doing aside to focus on our son. So I still had a great relationship with his family. And during COVID, you know, he was working a lot because he was an essential worker. He was in pharmaceutical at the time. And so he was an essential worker. And so it was just me and my son. And I was living in a really tiny apartment in Irvine, California, a total of maybe under 600 square feet. Also, people should know this. This is where I started, Casita Michi. So under 600 square feet. That's, it's very expensive to live in Irvine, California, but it's very safe. So I'm living in Irvine. It's always
0: rated like one of the, one or one of the best best safe cities.
1: Yeah. So I've been living there with my husband for six years. That's why we agreed. Neither one of us, we were going to make it work, live eight minutes apart. So we weren't changing. We weren't up and rooting him somewhere else. You know, his school was there. His friends were there. Everybody was there already for six years. So she tells me, you need to tap into your creative creativity you're creative you do other things you're just not you're clouded right now and I'm like what can I do and then she's like you know how you like making favors and little things and stuff and all that maybe let's think about this on a bigger scale and I was like well I love candles she goes yeah you do and I remember saying well I can be a candle maker how hard is that not knowing there was math involved girl so I was just like (laughs) I was like, I can be a candle maker. And from that day on, I left and I said, I can be a candle maker. Like it wasn't even like a doubt after that. Like she had sparked something in me. Like I need to pour my creative energy into, I'm also a single mom. I'm not dating. I'm alone. I'm figuring who Michelle is now without a partner, all these things without her livelihood. Like, so it's a, it's a myriad of things that I'm going through, you know, living in a tiny apartment. And so, um, I started watching YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. I started watching all these YouTube videos and then figuring out that Facebook had all these groups of like, learn to be a candle maker, be a candle maker, cook, you know, all this. So I started for six months. I really dove myself into this process of learning how to become a full-blown candle maker, because I knew it on a baby scale, like making favors and doing stuff like that, but not on a greater scale. And in those six months in 2020, I really started finding who I was again, finding my voice, finding what made Michelle happy, not because I needed to do it for anybody else, even my own family. And I think as women, sometimes we lose ourselves because we do so much for our families. And so I started realizing who was Michelle and what made Michelle happy. And um, I realized at that point how creative I was and how, but I wasn't using that. And I wasn't tapping into that because it was so foggy and clouded because of all the other stuff that I was going through in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. and my past trauma and everything. And it was like all coming down. And so I'm using this time. I'm reaching out to people in my current network in my event industry, like, Hey, getting market research because now I'm going into a product based business. I'm no longer a service based business. Now this is Michelle trying to come up with a product stimulus hits. And mind you, I needed that stimulus. I decided to invest all my stimulus money back into this business. So I knew like a lot of people were going and spending it on some ridiculous stuff. But I said, right, I tried to hold on to
0: that money as much as possible.
1: <laughs> right. And I <laughs> needed it for other stuff, but I told myself, I'm gonna go and buy supplies. I'm gonna go figure this thing out. I'm gonna do this. And I had set a number. And so with both of the stimulus, I invested it back in myself. And um by I would say by October of 2020, okay. I was already making candles privately, just sharing them with friends, friends, whatever you want to donate. And they were like, well, these are funny and empowering because here's the thing that I knew. I knew going into this, there's already candles. There's a million candles on the market. Okay. But what is there not? And I just did not see myself represented on any of these shelves. Here I am. I'm looking at my nightstand. I got six different candles, but none of them are nostalgic or speak to me. I buy them because maybe it's like how the outside looks or, you know, I've read reviews and stuff and I buy them because I love how they make me feel. The, the, the self-care aspect of it and so forth. But I was never even the girl that really liked vanilla or basic stuff like that. I was always looking for more even in-depth fragrances and things that spoke to me. I was always, I loved coconut wax. So I was a big uh, volume spa, which weren't cheap candles at the time. So I was, I was spending coin on some quality products. You know, me as a Latina, that was the one thing I enjoyed. you know, people have their shoes, whatever it is for me, I did love candles. And so I took all of that and me as a consumer, I started thinking, okay, if I'm going to buy my product, what do I want to see? You know, what are the things that I want to see? And in my hours and months of research, I was really sad to only stumble upon maybe one candle maker at the time that had, um, like Latino inspired candles, but There wasn't anything on like big shelves or retail or even Etsy and nothing. I'm like, man, if they're not even on Etsy and on Etsy, you can find anything, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I knew going into this, the same way I broke down doors and barriers in the event industry, being one of the first like high-end Latina event planners in the Bay Area. I said, you know what? I'm going to take all those years of me knocking down doors and I'm going to, that same tenacity, that same, all of that, I'm gonna put this in this business and create something for my people. And in the beginning, a few silent mentors told me I was pigeonholing myself. They weren't sure that creating um, a product that was in Spanish, with only a little bit of like an English translation was gonna sell long-term wise, was gonna be a good for viability, for long-term viability. So and let me I ask
0: you a question. Yeah. In regards to these mentors, were they other people that came from communities of color or were they...
1: No, they were people that were in my (laughs) event industry space that had launched products. They were not people of color, but they were people that I admired that had built, you know, million dollar businesses, um, built successful businesses. Um, you know, so I'm fortunate. I took things with a grain of salt. You know, I was gracious for the time that they spent helping me in other facets, helping me understand other stuff that I should be doing. It wasn't always all bad,
0: but no. No. I and honestly, I do think that's very important, right? Because there's value that comes from a lot of people, but there's certain things that if you're not talking to other people who have struggled, mm-hmm. who know, like who, who just don't know the culture and don't know a, the struggle and we all have our own struggles, right? I am a light-skinned Latina. I know this and I know I'm going to have different struggles, but my last name is like people see and already make assumptions. They see big hair, they hear, like, I don't have a heavy accent, but there's certain things that I say that are very like, like people are like, what? <laughs> and yeah. I think that, and so I've had my own struggles. Everybody has their own struggles. So I think it's really important to note that you re- appreciate their time. But I like the way that you said, I took it with a grain of salt. Yeah.
1: yes, Because there's always in any conversations, even con tu comadre with your friends, if you are asking for advice, because I always say, if you're asking for solicited advice, you're going to take it, but always take it with a grain of salt. There's going to be good. There's going to be a mixed bag. And even from some of my, my friends that are people of color, they were like, I don't know, girl, you know? And then some were like, oh, I see this, like my sister-in-law who is, you know, multicultural. She was like, (laughs) she was like, and today she brought it up again. I saw her. She was like, Remember I told you, she's like, remember I told you, she goes, Latinos, she goes, Latinos in a good way are the most narcissistic people. We see stuff in Spanish with our name or something on it. We're going to go buy it. She's like, we're going to go buy it. You know, and so, but it's, it's so true. true. It's
0: so true, right? Uh, you know how many things that I've bought that I'm like, oh my gosh, I see this. Oh my God. Like, yes, no, that's so true.
1: Because yeah. we want to represent, we're like here, we want to represent we want to make sure we show up. It's like, you know, from me, this is me all the time. I got my crown. I got my earrings. I'll get my hoops. Like this has been me since I was 13, you know? And so oh, same. yeah. So I took some of this with sort a of grain of salt. And I remember telling somebody, if the only people that buy my product are my people, that's OK, because there's buying power in my community. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I said I don't think that's going to be the case. My my line, yes, is celebrating my cultura, but it's for everyone to enjoy. You can be an ally, you can be a supporter, you can just understand the humor and the empowering message, and it's for everyone. So I officially launched on November six, and November six is that's my the nephew's day- birthday. Well, that's the day. It's a good day now. It's the day that I lost my brother twelve years ago. Wow. And I chose everything for me has a meaning. I do things always with a purpose and intention. I purposely chose that day because I didn't want to be sad anymore. The same way how I didn't want to be sad when my mom passed away. I did not want to be sad on November 6th, thinking about my brother who got killed, you know, before his forties. I wanted to turn it into a positive day that he would be proud of because he was always proud of me, my big brother. And so, um, I launched on November 6th and the love and the support and the response that I received was not like anything. If you would prepared me, I probably still wouldn't have. It was not like, and it's because now I look back, there wasn't anything like that in the marketplace. Let me read
0: some of the, um, some of the names that you have. And I was laughing at this. So you're (laughs) right. Papi Chulo, AKA fine ass daddy candy candle sorry fine ass daddy candle then you have poderosa strong ass woman candle la mejor amiga so you got your bestie candle you have california amor uh hefita, um mom or uh, aka mom candle hermosa chingona mujer magica pan dulce hola winter tis the season I'm like, especially the, when you, how you, uh, Papi Chuloha, you're like fine as daddy can. I was yes. freaking cracking up reading that. And that's just off your Etsy page.
1: Yeah. When I launched, I only launched actually with Jefita Chismosa. So I had a candle called Chismosa that was AKA the Gossiper. El Jefe, AKA the uh, where, where can I find that? That's not on your yeah. Etsy store. <laughs>
0: Why I expect I'm gonna give you my address. I expect to be one.
1: Yeah, so Oh man, so I had launched with you know a few just to see how they would respond. Chingona was obviously my my baby. I even had a presumida candle when I launched. It was funny. It was things that just. My mom always used to be like, esta presumida. <laughs> like, it was just words, you know, you grow up. And the way she would say it, it'd be like, esta presumida. Like, you know, and I would hear her That's voice. That's so funny. My, my
0: mom's favorite is, hey, ay, <laughs> hey, Jay, That's like, gosh, she would be like, just look at me, I hey, Jay, and shake her head.
1: <laughs> and so, yeah, I launched at the time I was living, like I said, in Orange County. I would do local markets. I launched on Etsy. <laughs> And then in November and December, I did incredibly well. There was a great community of mujeres in um, Santa Ana and Orange County that from day one, I want to shout them out. You know, Lonnie from Amiga Social Club, Alexis from Gente Market. Very early on in the Casita Michi phase, those women until this day supported me, like shared me, shouted me out, like really really create visibility for me and i'm so grateful for that
0: so how do you get from going to these local markets to freaking Macy girl like and seriously it's been in in the timetable right like and and look and i'm not gonna ever say that somebody is an overnight success because you've worked hard for years and years and different but Thank in you. this that like, like you know you yeah. just you shifted your energy right you shifted yeah. your energy from one creative avenue to another, but it's
1: still a new product. It is. I had the same business mindset. I'm so grateful that being in business, being an entrepreneur, had that experience, but now I'm in a product-based business, which is a whole nother world.
0: So how do you go from one to the other? I know people are probably like, Jessica, hurry up, get to that part.
1: Girl, every time (laughs) I do these, they just want to know that they want to know the nuggets. Uh, but I want to know the whole journey because I think it's so you, thank you because people don't realize it isn't that word overnight success. I tell people Casita Michi has been 17 years in the making. Had I not gone through the trials and tribulations of being a small business owner and putting my work in knocking down doors and barriers at a time where representation wasn't this whole, like, Oh, we're all for it for years. I was in spaces already in the event planning business. People should know where I was the only Latina in conferences on speaker panels in a room of five to 900 people. The only Latina speaking at these high-end conferences, attending them, being featured. So I had come into this new space where now we're fortunately in a space where we're getting recognized, but I spent years putting in my work, you yeah. know? And so July, 2021, I get this email. And I remember being on the phone when one of my girlfriends is <laughs> like, I always say everybody needs a Bianca in her life because she's like a hype queen, right? So I'm on the phone and we're just chismeando. And I'm like, oh, so because, you know, sometimes when you're chismeando, you can be doing other stuff. So I'm like looking at my emails, we're chismeando. Yeah. And I was like, girl, I got this email right now. This girl says she had buyer at Macy's. And I don't believe the email. I think it's spam. And my friend is like, She's like, you know, really like. She's like, <laughs> you better call her. She's like, oh, you could to be a Macy. She's already dreaming. This is an email. And she's like, oh, you're about to be a Macy. But I was like, slow down, Bianca. Slow down. I was like, I was like, we don't even know if this email's real. Please. This this looks like spam.
0: You know, did you look but- at the email
1: address? At first I didn't cuz I'm like generically it started off with um, hi, I came across your candles via, it was either Etsy or Google, I think. And I've never seen anything like this in the market. My team and I in New York would like to schedule time to meet with you about bringing you on board to Macy's. So I, I'll be honest. I Girl, I'm getting teary eyed for you. Just hearing that. That's like, I just was like, so 24 hours later, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner, but I decided to Google her. And then I find her LinkedIn and other stuff. I'm like, Oh, she real, real. <laughs> she real. She a real person. Oh, this is her title. It's been her title for a long time. Oh, she's real. Like, So I reply back and, um, yeah, we schedule, you know, Google's team and in July of 2021 for that's when we started discussions. And for about three months, we went back and forth. I, I, I advocated for myself. And it's important that I share that. It was very transparent about being a very small ap- operation at the time, because they were asking for volume that I could not do at the time. I don't think they realized, which I was so flattered. I don't think they realized, like, I didn't have a website. I was just on Etsy. This is me in my kitchen, still making candles, you know, and you're and under 600 so- square foot apartment. Yeah, girl, cuz we had not gotten back yet. So like, I I mean, I like, get the
0: 600 square cuz that's my apartment is you guys, this is created in an apartment that is under 600 square feet. Yeah. So exactly. I get it.
1: So I know I'm how this, how small that is. <laughs> I'm in a kitchen with an island making these candles and it is a small space. So, I advocated for myself because I wanted them to understand, like, I wanted to be very transparent. I didn't want to fake it to make it, not with them. Like, I wanted to be very transparent, but I also wanted to advocate for myself of what I'm able to do, what I feel comfortable with. And I'm very fortunate that they worked with me. I'm very fortunate that they loved my candles enough, even when they got samples and everything to make it work. And they launched me in the fall because we're in 2022. Yeah, they launched me in the fall of 2021.
0: You're to I can tell you a thing. little emotional.
1: Yeah. Um, we've been conditioned to feel, you know, like we don't, it's always weird. I share that. It was weird. I actually thought I'd be more excited when it happened. And, but it was a weird feeling. I didn't know how to feel. I, I've been always told to like be humble and not overshare and it's a cultural thing. And so, um, Like, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops, but I, I didn't, like, I shared it on Instagram, but I didn't even, like, I know now, fast forward now, I should have hired a PR person and, like, done a PR report and all that. But, like, we don't know those things. Like, those are not resources that I had really fully known that that's what you do. um, Because you're conditioned to feel like these are not spaces that, you know, when I found out that it was the year 2021 and I was the first I was going to be the first Latina, but not even just in Macy's, in a big retail store. So I like sharing this on the day that I launched um, De La Negra, who is Afro-Latina. Her and I, she's a friend of mine. We were, she was the first Afro-Latina to launch in Macy's and I was first Latina. They brought us both on the same day. And when we even realized we've had these discussions, we didn't know at the time that we were just even the first of our kind in like a big retail space. Like her being the first Afro Latina, me being the first Latina, so it wasn't even just Macy's. It was like Macy's, Nordstrom's at the time. Nobody else was carrying, and so um, yeah, it's it's exciting, but it comes also with a very um, a very heavy toll because now you are the token. That's the reality. You are the first, and while it's great. It's also sad sometimes when you think about it, that it is the year 2021, you put things in perspective and you're so grateful, Mm -hmm. but now you feel like you don't want to squander that opportunity. You want to do something with it. At least for me, I start thinking of like, how can this become the norm? Because this is what I tell people. There are 10 candle brands in a store. And this is, these are true facts that I'm sharing. So, People can look them up. I don't want them thinking I'm just pulling numbers out my ass for every 10 candle brands. And even if that seven are white owned, two are maybe black owned. And that last number is typically given to either a Latina or an Asian person, right? Somebody, whoever else, somebody else in the mix. And you wonder why that is. You wonder, well, Cause I've now have made friends. I'm friends with a lot of other Latina candle makers, like who I love and admire. Like I look at their brands and like you could be on this shelf and you could be on that shelf and there's enough space. So why is it that there's like seven honey vanilla candles, all from different, but then only one of like one pandulce candle on the market, you know? One pan like right now, if you, you wanted to go buy a pandusa candle. I'm the only one. You can probably find one now online somewhere. But if you wanted to walk into a big retailer, you're only going to find Casita Michi's Panduce. And that's great. That's great for me. Mucho plug. But you're telling me you can't carry another Panduce brand yeah. from another, like, because I'd be okay with that.
0: Because like we said at the very beginning, there's room for all of us. Girl, I didn't realize how... Complex your story was. I first of all want to say thank you so much for sharing that because it is like you have been through the ringer. Let me ask you, and I and I actually have several questions that have like (laughs) popped through my head, right? Hey, every once in a while we have an extra long episode, and it's this is worth it. I'm not gonna lie. This is worth it talking to you, hearing your story after your mom and your brother passed, how did the first question I have, because I think that probably has to do with everything, right? How did the relationship change between you and your other brother or did it?
1: Uh, we are very, I love my brother, my oldest brother, um, cause that's all I have. <laughs> like, like my oldest brother, I have a baby sister. We're not from the same mother, but she, we still have a great relationship, but my brother who I grew up with, we travel We see each other. I went to see him today. He's my biggest role model. He's the only consistent male figure ever in my life in terms of like a figure, you know, a role model. I admire him so much. He has he single-handedly, aside from me now learning it, has helped me understand what generational wealth is and creating more. And I have so much respect and love for him. And I know that in his own way, um, he's very proud of me he throws in little jabs here and there. But when he calls me and tells me, um, can you bring me a, a, a new candle for the house? Like it's his way of saying he likes my candles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> duh, right? <laughs> so
0: uh, um, I love that. No, that's so yeah. sweet. And sometimes people, yeah, they don't always are not the most upfront, right? In regards to it. The other question I have is I know that um, on the guest form you were talking about you know, making space and making now I love that kind of, there's been a, a theme throughout your story in regard to advocating for yourself. And I think you're so right. Like, I mean, we were talking earlier, right. When I was saying how I get very, when people put the spotlight on me, like I'm trying to get better at that. And I know there's so many of us that do the same thing. How, how do you work to help people get beyond themselves in regard, getting out of their own way. How do you think people can get out of their own way? Because I feel like there's been things that have, just based on your story, right? And this is obviously a, a sh- very shortened version of your plethora of, of life experience. But I feel like there's, you haven't gotten in your own way. There's There have been obstacles that have been put in front of you but you have not been one of your own obstacles it feels like
1: we all have the ability y el poder to be chingonas sometimes though it's inside it's so deep inside we don't know how to unleash it we don't know how to empower it and i think again it comes from generational trauma and um our culture and our upbringing and I am a woman now in my 40s trying to break that cycle and unleash my inner chingona. She's always been there. And I always thought that I was like fully out and being a chingona, but I will fully tell you this. I think I started truly being a freaking chingona like just a few years ago. I think, and not to discredit myself, I think I've always been a badass and great, but understanding what that means And really putting yourself first and advocating for yourself in all facets, relationships, personal relationships, marriages, business, friendships, understanding your boundaries, but also willing to accept what you're able to give and what you're not able to give um, is very important because all of those tie in. When people think that they're not going to tie in, they do. My personal life and my story ties in very much every day to my business. And so creating those boundaries and understanding that and being okay with letting go of certain things has helped me where I'm at today. I'm okay now being emotional. I used to not cry before in front of people because I was told, you know, you're not supposed to cry. You know, like, don't show your weakness. It was one of those things like, gosh, I wish, I wish like older me could say, it's okay. You can be a chingona and still show weakness and still be emotional. So I'm teaching my kids that now that it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to feel whatever it is you're feeling. It's okay to tell somebody, can I just be alone? I need space. Like it's okay. And you can still be a boss,
0: Yeah, you know? Oh, absolutely. So speaking of kids, I want to know what do you hope your kids, I know you have a grown up, you have a 25 year old. (laughs)
1: And but, an 11-year-old. <laughs> yeah,
0: so what do you want them to think of you when they see you? What kind of legacy do you want to leave for them? And and how do you want, as they grow up, as they see everything that you're doing, what do you feel like you can leave for them? What is your legacy, I guess? That's really what it was.
1: I think for me, I want to foster whatever it is that they want to be or want to do in life, even with my 25-year-old. I'm not creating a path for them. They create their own path. I'm just here encouraging them, supporting them, loving them, whatever it is. I truly want to be that parent that I tell them, whatever it is that you want to do, I support you. Even if it doesn't align with what I think they should be doing, I want to be there for them and support them the same way that my mother always believed in me. And that's why where I'm at. I want to teach them what hard work is like. My 11-year-old, he makes... Money off of every candle that he labels. <laughs> so, and it's me, people like Michelle. And I'm like, no, he wants money in our home. You work for things, but you're also teaching value. My 11 year old last week was labeling and he said, you know, mom, this is good. He's like, I'm learning real life skills. <laughs> you know, he's like this little <laughs> man. And so I'm like, yeah, you are. And they but...
0: value money so much more when
1: they work for it. And we shake on a hand. I tell him, this is how much I can pay you per candle. Deal? And he's like, deal. And then when he figures out how much he's going to make for the week, because we're producing a lot of candles lately, he's like, that's really good money for an 11-year-old. I'm like, yeah, it is yeah. But he's helping and he's learning. And I yeah. feel like I'm instilling values in him. And so, yeah, I just want them to leave that you can work hard. You can be anything you want to be, that it is possible to create generational wealth even later in life. I even want to tell the women that are in their forties, fifties, sixties, if there's a passion or a project that you want to start, it is never too late. It, it just isn't. It is this idea that we're past our prime, that maybe it's too late or we didn't have this proper education or we didn't do this. No, I'm a, I'm proof that it is never too late to go find success.
0: Michelle, I know you see me making these, I may, I should, I know you see me making these faces, but literally I have to tell you like the actual afterwards, but I have been saying that so much. I've been talking about that so much. I didn't find doing podcasting and this passion for, for amplifying these voices till I was in my forties as well. And I think we're so conditioned that if you don't find what you're good at or what you're passionate about or whatever, when we're like, by the time we hit 30, Oh, it's over. It's over. I've never been married. I don't have any kids. And I didn't find my person until last year. Like that doesn't what, that doesn't make me as Lenny less. Of a no. woman. that doesn't make me, no. a, that just means my path was different. And I just, so I love that so much because we constantly need to be reminded of that. I want to ask you a couple of questions before we fade out, because I know you have family and I have a couch that is waiting for me. <laughs> My boyfriend's working. I have a couch. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and a dog. <laughs> but what would you, like one tidbit of anybody, and maybe they're not an entrepreneur, but maybe they're somebody who, has felt like that something is missing or something is like, what What advice would you give to somebody who's just like, well, that's great that she did it. I don't know if I could do it, right?
1: I But think, you can. Yeah. I get that a lot. I get women that send me comments and tell me I can't be as brave as you. I can't take, but you can. That's where I go back to, there's that inner chingon on in you. You just have to find her. You have to trust in yourself. You have to trust in your magica, in your magic. We all have it. Trust your gut. Trust your magic. And start small. Nobody's telling you you have to walk out the door tomorrow and do all these things. But if there's something out there that you're like, I've always wondered what that could be like, or I've always wondered, don't wonder. I know it's scary. I I'm I'm still scared sometimes. In February, when I let my husband leave his corporate job to pursue this business with me full time, was the scariest thing I had done in a very long time. Because now I'm telling him to walk away from a cushy salary, medical benefits, because we believe together. You know, we're back together now. We believed that this business is going somewhere. It's scary. But you start small because look at how many years now into it. I, I couldn't have made that decision two years ago, but two years forward, we are in this position to say, let's believe in ourselves. Let's take that scary leap. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's okay. Yeah. Like it's okay. It doesn't mean But if you never make the failure. move, right? You'll never know. Yeah, you'll never know. And, it, and again, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you're a failure. You are in a percentage, a small percentage of people that actually went for it, that tried, that took the leap. Girl, you you are inspiring
0: me right now with this. (laughs) Seriously, because there's all these things that I'm like, you know, one of the things is the podcast is going on
1: tour next year. It should go on tour next year. So I, am because you have, you have a gem. You have something, you are, you are doing something for this community of, of, of people, just even being here. You, I don't think you don't realize, um, what you do when people like me can come on here and share. It's therapeutic. It's empowering. It's I gain things as much as other people gain from me. I gain things back too. Oh, thank you so much. Ah, okay. You are still like,
0: I love to hear that now, like you're in a position where your husband is now working with you. Congratulations. That is somebody amazing. said I
1: retired my husband. Girl, retire that them, you retired man. Your
0: <laughs> right. What is next? What do you what is the next thing for Casita Michi? And then if there's any other words, if there's anything I haven't asked you, like I want to give you space to be able to, to share any final things that you want to say as well.
1: What is next is we're going to, we're going to take up more space. We're going to get into Target and yeah, I've been manifesting Target for a long time. So I'm okay. Shouting that from the rooftop, we're going to get in Target. We're going to get in Whole Foods. We're going to take up more shelf space because for me, just as much as I want to be seen, I want my community to be seen. But I also want people to understand that I'm creating a quality product out there. It's not just even just the names. It's like I'm putting a quality product out in the market that's sustainable. It's eco-friendly. It's socially conscious, socially good. I give back to organizations and nonprofits in my community with funds that I'm raising. I'm able to support things that I hold dear to my heart. So when you are investing in me and my vision and buying a candle, understand that I'm doing so much good with that, you know? And so, yeah, I really, I really, I'll be honest. I really want to take up more space. I want to see Casita Michi in more homes. And how can people get Casita Michi besides going to Macy's? You community, y'all already know. You don't even need to buy my candle in this day and age. Sharing, shouting me out means so much. I don't think uh, it takes one person. In the last month, the revenue and the love that we've gotten, one person connected me to another person who connected me to another person. That one person that believed in us was in a corporate level, told her friend, who told her friend, who told their friend. Y'all don't even know what that does to us to like a small business like ours who does who wants to drop the small and just be an empire okay yeah be a we, gonna
0: happen, we gonna make it happen girl
1: we'll make it happen so if you
0: got so, th- well first of all michelle again thank you so much for sharing your story with me i am like i want to stay here and be all chismosa with you for like another hour but trying to respect everybody's time I guess. I'm just so
1: grateful. I'm just, I'm grateful for you creating this platform, not just for me, but for so many. I've tuned into a few. I've listened to a few. I've taken notes. I felt inspired. So just thank you.
0: You know what? Honestly, that means so much to me because that's what I want people to do, right? I want people to feel like they're getting value from these stories, from they, that they feel like, they're not alone and and that's what this has become as a community and that makes me so unbelievably happy so thank you so much mi gente let's help michelle make casita michi an empire not just a small business this is like and then i'll be like i know her <laughs> yes
1: and shameless shameless plug i'm gonna tell y'all um Go out, go online. If you're in San Francisco, New York, Chicago, or Texas, go to a Macy's. If you're able to buy Christmas gifts, because Macy's put in a really big order in the fall. If y'all sell me out, that's how I keep staying in Macy's. So I'm still here a year and a half later. Why? Because y'all showed up and showed out. So I'm going to keep saying, do what you guys do best. Spend your money. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, buy Spend that money. Support oh, yeah. your people. Um. Thank you so much, mi gente.
0: And I hope you guys got, I know you got value from this. And reach out to Michelle on Instagram, on go to Etsy, get her channelers, TikTok, TikTok, do all the things. Everything will be, uh, all of the links will be in the show notes as well. So until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese Mate Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at thewineandchisme on Instagram and at podcast. Remember, if you want to hear more wine and chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.